Apple announcements at Macintech. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is supported by New Relic. Monitor, debug, and improve your entire stack. Get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is a session we recorded with Adam Angst and Jeff Gamut and the Mac and Tech Mac user group out of Colorado on the evening of Apple's peak performance uh, event and, and the related announcements. I wanted to give you just a quick heads up here. Uh, we had to go to the backup of the backup for the recording, so at least the video part is not up to the quality standards that I usually try to deliver. Um, but at the same time, it was such a good discussion. We had so much fun with these folks that we didn't want to just scrap the video completely. So bear with us on the video part. The audio part is fine. And we'll just dig right in and have some fun with Adam and Jeff and Macintech. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, it's just a few hours after Apple's peak performance event, and we get to spend some time with the Macintech Apple user group in uh, Colorado. Macintech, it's great to see you. Thanks for having us. Good to have you. And so also as uh, featured presenters tonight, we have Mr. Adam Engst of Tidbits. Adam, great to see you. Loving New York. You know, I had to go retro for tonight. Oh, is that it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Developer party from, I don't know, you'd have to read the back of my, I can't read the back of my t-shirt. No, so. it's yeah. too small. Ah, darn. Yeah. It's one of those things. But do you want to, <laughs> do you want to take it off and read it to us? No, don't, please don't. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> Mac, Mac voices after dark again. Um, <laughs> Um, also uh, joining us will be Mark Stevenson, a Mac and Tech member and um, an expert in his own right. Mark, good to see you again. Thank you. And we hope to have Jeff Gamma joining us. Um, we're not quite sure where he is, but um, I'm hoping that he will show up any second now. Twisty little um, passages. He got lost in the twisty little passages. Yeah, yeah. All alike. Yeah. What is it, the pipes? <laughs> no, no, Colossal Cave. Come on, let's go further back. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, Adam, you know, there, we had a number of announcements today. I'll let you tell me what, you know, where you want to start, um, because I know well, I'm, I'm afraid to jump right to the big one, because then everything else will be sort of after the fact. <laughs> well, I mean, we could just dispense with the easy ones. I mean, the iPhone SE and the iPad Air. I mean, you can't use the word speed bump quite anymore the way you, we used to. I mean, that used to be the term uh, when when they're, you know, Apple would come out with a new model that just were like, oh, it's a little faster. But there's a number of things they do nowadays. So I've been I've been playing with the term spec bump, which is, yeah, it's not really very interesting. It's just new in about three or four different ways that make it better than the previous version, but not revolutionary in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, iPhone SE, iPad Air, nice spec bumps. Are you? Are you I think the most interesting thing about these is to in, encourage interest. Is Apple comes up with new colors, <laughs> the units themselves, or the cases that things go into? Because the spec bump, as you said, Adam, isn't all that interesting, but the colors for some people are. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, realistically, this, I mean, these spec bumps are important from the standpoint of keeping the product lines making sense. So all too often you get into a situation because Apple has, you know, just different cadences for different models. And so you'll end up in a situation where like the, the previous iPad Air was feeling a little long in the tooth compared to the iPad Pro above it and the iPad below it. And so suddenly that didn't make a lot of sense as far as the, you know, like, oh man, if I'm going to get it, if I'm going to update to, you know, something more expensive than the iPad, I'm stuck with the iPad Air with the A14, that feels old. And so what this does is it brings the product line back into a state of making sense. And that'll continue until one of the other machines, um, you know, bumps. And then, you know, again, will we'll seem slightly more or less attractive based on, based on what those changes are. So, so nobody Dan talked about uh, the fact that uh, St. Patrick's Day is coming up and that's what they're touting for the uh, new I Apple uh, iPhone 13s is the new green colors. Green, yeah. Didn't even think about that. Didn't even think about that. You know, the, when they showed well, they the, the date. Yeah, when I showed, I saw the ad for that. Though, I mean, all I could think was alligator. I mean, there was definitely some alligatory looking things in that uh, in that ad that they showed, and uh, and then all I could think was, this is dating myself, um, Miss Piggy in the in the in the Muppet Show going alligators. So. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, green, right. Green and alpine green in case that's not enough of a difference. <laughs> Whatever. So Jeff Gammon. And look who snuck in. Yeah, Jeff Gammon made it in. Jeff, good to have you. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, apparently Zoom just didn't like letting me in, so I had to try again, and here we are. Yeah. Good to have, good to have you in. Good to have you in. We're just talking about alligators in the new iPhone for some reason. Yeah, the Boba okay. Fett phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to give short shrift to the to the uh, to the uh, the SE uh, spec bump, Adam, to use your phrase, um, because this felt like it just it made the SE continue to be relevant, where it could have just slipped out of relevance. Um, and I'm not sure that the M1 chip really makes that much difference to the people that are buying that. I think the camera uh, upgrade. Is, is what will keep that relevant. Yeah, Chuck, the, I think the, the important thing that Tim talked about was the percentage of people who are buying these things that have never had an iPhone before because of the low price point and affordability. And yet you still get updated chips at a lower price to get somebody introduced into the um, ecosystem. What I think is potentially more interesting about it, Chuck, actually, is if you look at, again, the dates. So the original iPhone SE was based on the iPhone 5 industrial design and was essentially an iPhone 6S, if I'm remembering correctly, and in terms of its, in terms of its hardware. And then it stays dormant for years. It was quite a few years. Um, that we still were stuck with that. And I mean, people loved it. That was a really popular device. But so the second generation iPhone SE comes out, I think, two years ago. And because I remember my wife got it and then was a little miffed when the iPhone 12 mini came out, you know, in September after the, the April release of the, of the second generation iPhone SE. So we've only gone two years with the second generation iPhone SE to the third generation, which says that Apple 
feels that this is a really relevant way of keeping, as Mark noted, the low end of the market, uh, you know, the people who are looking for a less expensive iPhone, keeping them interested, keeping them coming into the into the system. Which is also more important because let's face it, on the high end, the iPhone's gotten pretty expensive. So, you know, mm-hmm. they used to not be quite such a spread, but now we're talking, you know, 429 to gosh, what's an iPhone 13 Pro Max? You know, isn't that like $1299? Yeah. I saw an article today in one of the one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the rags that said that you could max the new one with a terabyte uh, uh, as much as sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. If you really maxed a, a Pro 13 uh, with yeah. the terabyte option now, 16. And, and, and so, yeah, so it's really useful to have a, have an iPhone that, you know, 429 is obviously up a little bit. It used to be 399 but, you know, eh, well, to a certain extent, everything has gotten more expensive. So, you know, I don't think we can quite quite complain too much about a $30 change uh, in that regard, just given given inflation and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, that's a big, big difference. And my experience with people with iPhone SEs is they tend to hold on to them for a long time. They are not the upgrade every year or two. So, you know, so it may also be that, yeah, you pay your three, $400, whatever, and then you hold it for four years, as opposed to the people who are buying the iPhone 13 or 13 Pro and, you know, paying $800,000 and holding it for a year or two years. So it's just a different market for Apple. And it's an important one for them to get. Uh, they, they do need to have, have, have both ends. Adam, you nailed something that I think is really important. And Apple knows their demographics and who's buying what. It's the lifespan of yeah. the iPhone SE and the type of people that are buying it, which includes a large number of people outside the United States, which is easy to forget because of where we are. By bringing the, uh, the iPhone SE up to the A15 processor, Apple is setting up this iPhone to be usable for a much longer period than what they would have done had they gone with, uh, with say, uh, an A14. And actually, I want to I jump on that, too, because keep in mind, what Apple's doing now with these pre-recorded presentations, they are scripted within an inch of their lives. I mean, I try to take notes during these things. I can't do it anymore. I mean, there is so much infodensity. There is not a word in there that was not vetted. Mm-hmm. And to get to your point, Jeff, the woman who was who was talking about the iPhone SE said, and it will run iOS, I forget the exact terminology, but something like it will run iOS updates for many for years. years. Many yeah, years, I, yes. I caught that too. Yeah. yeah. And she's like saying, this one's good for a long time. Go nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Is there a way I could show something to put this in context just for a moment, just one page? Um, I think and, so. And so to Chris, <laughs> she'd have to make Chris. you a... I, I've got it here and I don't know what to do with it. We're talking Dell here. Dance. Dance. Give give us a dance. Let's do that. It'll be great. <laughs> so. Uh, you're muted. So I, so, so, so I had an iPhone SE original, and I held on to it until this year, well, late last year, when I jumped to the iPhone 13 Max, and I decided one terabyte was just too much. So I went for, for 512. And one of the weird things that's happened is over the last six months that I've had this 
iPhone 13 Max Pro Pro Max with 512 gigabytes is even though it's got everything that was on my SE on it, it actually over time has gotten fewer gigabytes used. So it's doing something in the background. It's compressing or something that the SE never did. And that may be something that. It's possible that that's, I mean, if you look in those um, like iPhone storage uh, graphs, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you still have the iPhone SE to compare against, but uh, but the other category is really somewhat malleable. So for instance, you know, stuff that stuff that the operating system is doing and has cached and but could delete later can show up in there. And sometimes depending on, you know, how you restart or turn off iCloud and turn it back on, those kinds of things that can change. So that's probably you know more a, a you know a, an artifact of like some kind of usage change than anything particular to the hardware. Yeah. Well, I and thought it maybe be- I was compressing my photos, but I don't have that turned on. And I and, thought maybe uh, it was offloading unused apps, but that's not turned on either. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, that's a black box. And I will say, I mean, yeah. it, people, you know, these days. I, I I mean we were talking about this. Uh, Josh Senners was writing about the iPhone SE, and he was recommending the the slightly larger, you know, the the second uh, second model up mm-hmm. in terms of storage. And he was saying that because the main annoyance that people have with iPhones when they get the small ones is running out of space. And boy, once you start running out of space, that's going to be your life until you get a new a new iPhone. And I mean, I've been there too. You know, like you think, oh, this will be fine. I'll delete some photos. I'll delete some apps. Whatever. And it just comes back three weeks later or a month mm-hmm. later and you're doing it again. And so that is, you know, it's a little frustrating um, when you have like the jump from 64 to 256 gig, you're like, ah, oh, that's a big jump. I really want the one in the middle. Um, but you know, it is often worth getting the 256 in that case to avoid that pain. You know, if you're close, if you're close to filling up um, an iPhone or an iPad, don't get one that's the same size. Because the new iPhone and the new iPad, any pictures you take are going to be larger. Mm-hmm. I mean, automatically. So right away, you're going to start chewing up more storage per picture. And and I don't think we any of us really think about that now. But I just had a situation where I shared a a, a photo of a receipt with um, someone at work to get paid for it. And it was 3.2 megs. And she's like, well, what do I do with this? You know, she only needed something down in the case. So we, we resized it. But, you know, it was shoot, the photo I shot was full size. And therefore... Was taking up all that room. Always scan instead, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that didn't occur to me because I was in a hurry and they were demanding getting paid, and so you know what are you going? And, and I wanted wait, to get wait, paid. What scans are smaller than the pictures? They can be. Um, depends a little on, on how it works, but basically, yeah, if you go into the files app and uh, you know and tap the, the the ellipsis button and then choose scan, um, you'll get a PDF as opposed to a JPEG or an HEIC, HEIC um, and uh, and that can be smaller, depend particularly depending on like if there's a lot of stuff in the background that the photo is going to have to have. Um, if you can't really get tight on the um, tight on the receipt itself, I do that sometime, and I have to do some photo rece- you, know, you know images of receipts as well. So I've 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 had the same frustration of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm wasting that amount of space on a, this tiny little piece of paper. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by New Relic. Monitor, debug, and improve your entire stack. Get all the details at newrelic.com/macvoices.
When your phone delivers an alert from work at 9 p.m., it's never a good thing. If you're a software engineer, it probably means that it's going to be a long night. Is the front end broken? Is the back end broken? Is it a bug from your last deploy? Whatever it is, it means that you're going to have to start looking for it, find it, and fix it. So you alert your entire team, disturbing their night as well. That all could be averted if you were using New Relic. New Relic combines a total of 16 different monitoring tools that you could buy separately, but are much more effective when they work together under New Relic. With those tools, you can see across your entire software stack, all in one place, and find problems right down to the line of code. That means you can find it, fix it, and get back to what you were doing before the alert. The dev and ops teams at companies like DoorDash, GitHub, and more than 14,000 others use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Shouldn't you be doing the same? That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigs of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash macvoices. That's newrelic, N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash macvoices. newrelic.com slash macvoices. Thanks to New Relic for supporting Mac Voices. Exactly. So how uh, about the Del? iPad? Oh, sorry. Del, Go ahead. Do you have something to show? <clears throat> Del? Were you going to show us something? Were well, you going to show us something? I think maybe I can do it this way. Let me just print this out for a moment. Okay. <laughs> I believe I don't really know how to bring it up. Is there a way to bring it onto the screen? Yeah, share, share your screen. Share screen? Uh -huh. Yeah, it should be a green button. Right, the big green button big right green button. the bottom center. Okay. And uh, then it'll ask you what you want to share, and you click on it. Chris, did you give him sharing capabilities? Yes, I did. I don't, okay. I don't see. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, what happened? You got it. Got a, we see it. Two CI. Yep. You paid nine thousand or eighty-seven hundred dollars, almost. Wow! <laughs> Holy cow! Twelve thousand. Fifteen thousand eight hundred. Yeah. The laser writer two and T also added that up a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! I just nineteen eighty-nine. I just thought it interesting in comparing it. You also realize what. The nineteen eighty nine dollar was worth. Worth. Uh, oh yes. man, I miss uh, Mac Money though. I liked Mac uh, Money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember wow. paying two hundred dollars for one megabyte of memory. <laughs> yep. yep. I once spent a thousand on one megabyte of memory. <laughs> I liked I my two CI. And, and notice the Apple Color H High R. I'm guessing that's actually a the thirteen inch monitor. And a 13-inch color monitor, and that's still a thousand dollars. So you know, you, we weren't paying. We've been paying a lot of money for 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 screens for a long time. The studio display that we'll talk about shortly um, is not uh, necessarily an outlier there. No. Wow. And the laser writer. I think that's what we paid for our laser writer. I think it was eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Well, they what that. They told me I was getting a tremendous bargain because <laughs> they had listed for like 6000 That's what I would do, too. I would mark everything way up. And then because you're such a nice guy, I'm going to cut you a deal. I'm knocking two grand off of that for you. 
<laughs> I hate to say it, but but my husband and I spent about that much for our Apple II, plus the disk drives, plus the printer, which was one of those nine-pin dot matrix printers, plus the graphics tablet, <laughs> and that ran about ten thousand. <laughs> wow. That was so, Apple II. <laughs> So just, to, just, to, just as a bookmark for when we start talking about this later, I actually did compare it with um, like how much money I spent on my current computing setup of an iMac, uh, 2020 iMac, Thunderbolt display, which is old, um, and a MacBook, uh, M1 MacBook Air um, to compare against what I would, if I had to replace that today with something, you know, something comparable for like the same amount of, of, uh, of functionality. And it was identical. Yeah. So about $5,600 and it was, so it's not cheap, but it was identical. I was just, I was, I was quite surprised. So, all right. iPad Air, you said, Chuck, you I said to get iPad back Air. to that because we were distracting yeah. you as always. Well, 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 that's, Hey, that's what, that's what the, part of the fun <laughs> of this is. You know, this is a music group meeting. Um, the iPad Air, um, you know, I saw a number of comments go by on Twitter this afternoon during the, uh, during the event that this has brought the iPad Air so much closer to the iPad Pros. And so many people were saying they're not sure they will ever buy a Pro again because the Air has become so powerful. You know, the only difference I see is uh, the 120 hertz display on, on the Pro. I mean, if you look at the smaller Pro versus the iPad Air, well, I think the yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, the other one I noticed is it's USB-C versus Thunderbolt um, in the pros. But I think we're also hitting a little bit of the, you know, again, the cadence issue that the pros are the next ones up, right? And so, you know, Apple will presumably have something to do with the pros. And I have to, I'd have to go back and look and figure out what their their usual release date is. Um, but they'll have something to make the pros stand out more from the iPad Air in their next revision. So, I mean, I personally think that Apple somewhat backed themselves into a corner on the iPad just because they haven't yet, at least as far as I've ever seen in the real world, I mean, obviously, the, the, the world of Apple videos is a different story, um, come up with a, a reason why you need all this performance in an iPad. Um, you know, that, th uh, that's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and right now, the answer is you don't need all that performance in an iPad because there's not really any applications that can truly take advantage of the horsepower. And the operating system doesn't do anything to truly take advantage of that either. So at, as of today, it's very hard for me to recommend to someone uh, an iPad Pro. When we have the the iPad and the iPad Air, and they're so incredibly powerful and capable, but, you know, for most people, the iPad Pro is not the right option now. Jeff, I recommended. <clears throat> Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. Yeah, I recommended an iPad Pro to a customer here who was relatively new to the Apple platform recently here. And the reason he picked an iPad Pro was because of the larger screen size. The 12.9, yeah. <clears throat> he did. Okay, that, that's valid. Yeah. 
Well, that was his reason, that he needed the larger screen size. He did music, things like this on it. And he just, rather than a a standalone separate screen, which he had and he could have done whatever he wanted, the larger screen. So that dictated his choice. Other than that, I would have recommended an iPad Air for him because he wasn't using power applications that needed anything other than the, the larger screen. The one thing I might disagree with Jeff on um, is LumaFusion, because I think LumaFusion would definitely benefit from the the power of the Pro, as well as the screen real estate, of course. But, you know, that that's, and for those of you not familiar with LumaFusion, it is, oh, I, it's really not fair to say this, but I'll do it anyway. It's Final Cut on the iPad. In fact, in places, it's superior to Final Cut, because it has some amazing things built in that Final Cut does not. And does it on an iPad? So that, that's that to me is one of the first and uh, unfortunately maybe only uh, superpower apps mm-hmm. out there. And, and you say that, and and as you're saying it, I realize, yeah, I'm a LumaFusion user. It is actually the only video editing platform I use. I do not edit edit video on my Mac. I do it on my iPad Pro. What See, about Jeff- AR? Jeff Do you does think that um, there's anything AR coming down the pike with AR for the iPad Pro? I'm sorry, I have a hard time with AR because every time Apple demos it, you know they're 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 always showing people going like this, you know, kind of, you know, <laughs> like looking at that table. They can see all that stuff on the table. Like, oh come on! Like, no one is going to ever do this. The ergonomics of being bent over your little phone. Or- your little iPad. It's just ridiculous. So, I mean, I mean, yes, AR is the future. AR is going to be the future until it actually happens. Um, it hasn't well, okay. happened I, 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 yet. I, I, well, and am actually, I going to go, I disagree with that. Am I going to go I around like this that. with my iPad, you know, doing the AR thing? The phone is bad enough, but this is crazy right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's not happening. Sorry, well, well, you, Robert has well, it as a that. counterexample. Well, actually, yesterday I uh, was uh, blessed with the opportunity to uh, get a tour of Lockheed Martin's uh, virtual labs. And they are using their iPad to do things like teach technicians uh, how to put boxes onto the Orion spacecraft. And it's, as far as they can see, it is um, full scale. And they're using their iPad as, as the machine behind it. And it's just absolutely amazing. What they what they are doing with that? And my wife said she was so glad she went through that tour. She could not believe what what is going on down there now. Interesting. I, 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 I turned to the person going to the uh, doing the tour, and I said, "I'm a dinosaur now." <laughs> so, so to be fair, I do think that AR is again the future and very much AR rather than VR. I'm not a fan of the Oculus uh, headsets and things. I've tried them a couple of times and they're impressive in what, for what they do, but um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of philosophically opposed to the concept um, as well. But with AR, I think we're really waiting on the much rumored glasses that you need to have something where you do not need to hold a screen in front of your face to be able to augment the reality around you. As soon as you're holding a screen in front of your face, it's not really augmented reality. Um, and so the at the point where you know your glasses are simply having objects, uh, virtual objects ex- added to the scene, um, that's when it 
will just be much, much more, more interesting. And I think, you know, to, to, you know, the Lockheed example shows the kind of thing that will probably be able to jump to that fairly quickly, that if you were a technician and you're working in this space and suddenly there's these virtual objects and you can see how to put them into place, you know, without having, again, to have a whole other thing standing in your hand, um, I think that's going to be a big deal. And, you know, rumors have that being maybe next year. Um, so, you know, we'll see, I, it does feel to me like it could be next year. It could be two years or, or, or more before Apple feels like it's really ready. Where, where Apple is today with AR uh, and Adam, you're totally right. The whole ergonomics of having this little <laughs> screen in front of you and, and doing just this thing where you're bent over. I mean, that's horrible. Um, but I think Apple's going about this the right way because instead of doing like Google did, where they created a product, Google Glass, and then expected people to adopt it as developers and, uh, and yeah. then get the public involved, Apple's coming at it from the other side. Let people use the hardware they already have and uh, and develop for that and let users get at least familiar, even if they're not really all that comfortable with the, the concept of AR and how they, they can use it today. And then when Apple rolls out something uh, like their version of glasses, then they'll be in a much better position for adoption. Developers will already have support and users will already be familiar and comfortable with the concept. Yeah, absolutely. And and whoever said um, that they were a dinosaur, um, you know, I may flip that around a little bit and think about think about the. Do you remember anybody remember the Apple Quick Take camera? Yeah, Ooh, I love the Apple Quick Take. You know, the binoculars. Yeah, yeah um, I mean that was so cool. And and then we got we got motion and video in quick time, and it was a postage stamp. But we had motion video. Oh my god! And you know now we would laugh at it, and you would you would never even. I mean. TikTok and Facebook are light years better. And than now that. we're looking at all these postage stamps right on our screen in front of us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point, Adam. But but the postage stamps <laughs> here are much higher quality than that was. And yet, you know, so that's where we started. And I feel like that's where we are with AR and that and and the theorized Apple glasses. That you know, it's going to, that's going to be the quick take. And five years, seven years, ten years farther down, it's going to be amazing. But when we get it, it's going to be amazing for what we're used to now. Let's move and on especially once stuff. you get that twelve megapixel camera in the studio display to bring it back to the topic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it doesn't even cost twelve thousand um, yeah, dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're back in the next edition of Mac Voices with Mac and Tech to talk about the meat of Apple's Peak Performance event. That includes the M1 Ultra, the Mac Studio, and the new Studio Display. I hope you'll join us for that part of the discussion. It's a lot of fun. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices, 
or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.